long time ago, a wise man once said, a journey of a thousand miles ends with a single step. I have a question for you. What does that single step look like for the journey or the pursuing of the dream that God has for you? Have you already taken that single step, but you're discouraged and you need some encouragement to keep on going in the journey that God has for you? Maybe it is you haven't even taken that single step yet. Have an idea of what God wants you to do in ministry, or maybe a dream that you want to pursue or a goal. You have no idea where to start. If you have these questions, don't worry. I am here to help on this podcast. I want to engage in these conversations with guest speakers along the way who have inspiring stories to tell that will be an encouragement to you help you to continue the journey or the dream that God has for you, or maybe even to take that. I also want to engage with them on other conversations that we need to hear, like how the ministry is going, how their life is going, maybe even some fun conversations like sports and entertainment. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Journey Begins Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the updated episode. Hello and welcome in on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I got to tell you, after four or five episodes, I finally got a guest speaker. So, yes. But anyway, I am uh, really looking forward to having our guest speaker here today to talk about the concept of the revival. And I really think that it's very important for us to have revival, especially in our uh, country in America, that is desperately needed in churches and in each soul. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker, Mr. Jonathan Kleeneman, who is representing for what school and what, uh, let's see, what occupation do you want to go for in ministry? Yes, um, I'm attending Indiana Baptist uh, College. My major is evangelism. Uh, that's what I believe the Lord has burdened me with. That's what he's called me to do, to be an evangelist. And uh, I'm very grateful to be here today. Thank you, Trey, for allowing me to be on. Yes, thank you. And so um, I am really excited to have him here because I know that he has a burden for revival and he's uh, put together uh, some notes and I'm really looking forward to hearing to that. But one of the reasons why I brought him on the podcast is the concept of where your journey has begun. And Mr. Jonathan Kleeneman has a very interesting testimony. Um, I met first met him about I don't know, five years ago, and he seemed like a cool dude in the church. And then um, as uh, kind of the months and the uh, years go by, he kind of went away from the Lord, and I haven't seen him as much. And I've been praying for him that God would change his heart. And so I'm not going to take much of his time, but I want you to tell us about your testimony and how God has shaped you to where you are now. I'll begin with a, a verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If there were ever verses that best describe my life, my testimony, uh, I believe it would be these two. My upbringing is very similar to many Christians, if not most Christians. However, 
today, after going through all that, I've, I've purposed in my heart to not let it end like many Christians have. Uh, I would say my life can be divided into three stages right now. There's my common upbringing, there's a common falling away, and an uncommon uh, repentance. My common upbringing, I grew up in church like uh, many Christians have. I'm a second-generation Christian, and again, I went to church twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. Um, I was friends with the, uh, the pastor's son and his family, went over to their house many times for birthday parties and um, whatnot. But I grew up in church. I learned the things of God. I learned the things of the Bible. Um, I even read my Bible often, but it didn't quite sink in. There was something missing. I got saved at six years old. I had a knowledge of God, but I never developed a real, vital, essential walk with God. And I believe that was that was at the heart of the problem when I was younger. It's that I never simply got alone with God and knew what it meant to, to be in his presence, to know who he is, to know the his will for my life, his plan for my life. And in my pride, I think that I just I just never cared either. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. But at the end of the day, I never had a vital walk with God. And if a Christian does not have a vital walk with God, he will go astray. Just give it time. Whether it be sooner or later, his sins will catch up to him. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And what that means is it's the sins themselves that find you out. They pursue after you like a predator. And God says they will find you out. At that time, I would say my heart's condition was rebellious. One thing else I should mention, and I don't mean to cast uh, condemnation, but perhaps the state of the church is part of the problem as well. Because I fear that too often... Um, Christianity becomes sort of, uh, you could say, um, a duty, a cycle. We're just going through the motions. Yep. It's, it's something that, that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no real vibrancy to it. And to be sure, there were some Christians who I encountered, they had a real, a genuine love for the Lord. But right now, I want to live life in such a way that I have something right now that I didn't have before. And I want other people to see that, know that God, he, he's real. Like He's not just something that we all go to church and we all pretend like he's real. No, he's real. Mm -hmm. He has a real will. He has a real love. And if you obey his commandments, his commandments are not grievous. If you obey his commandments, there's real purpose, real meaning, true joy. From God and only from God. Uh, Psalm 16:11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so I didn't I did not have that as a child. And I wonder just how many Christians they they're in the world and the world has influence on them in such a way that they their ability to commune with God, it's just it's dull. Their desire for the things of God, it's just dull. It's there, but it's not. It's not sharp. It's not vibrant. It's not active. It's not, you know, a man on fire, so on fire for God that people get around him. They they catch on fire too just by being around him. You know, there there are Christians like that, and I want to be that type of Christian, so that if some teenager who's going through the same things that I am, doubting doubting God, doubting 
he's even real, that he would, he would see that, hey, that guy, he actually, he really believes it. He really obeys uh, the Bible. He reads his Bible and he, he reads it and he thinks, this is true. These are the words of Almighty God to me today. And I have to live in light of that. I, I want to have that sort of example. As I was growing up, these doubts that I had, um, they started to increase. You know, and I, I never talked to anyone about it because I think it just my pride prevented me because mm. there's a bit of shame. You know, it's just you, you grow up in church. Why would you why would you doubt God? Right. And as you enter your teenage years, going into young adulthood, you you start thinking more. You start pondering things more. You start questioning things and testing them. And for me, since I didn't have that vital walk with God, the doubts just continued to grow until it got to a point where my own pride decided, hey, let's just take over the show. Let's just do things our way. So by the time I entered college, um, I was just I was just telling people, hey, no, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. There is no God. I blasphemed his name many times. And I said Christianity was for fools. And I lived life my way. I had no regard for anything religious. I considered it all folly and foolishness. But... It's not a matter of the intellect. It's a matter of the will. The Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold it in unrighteousness. God says that he had showed it unto them. That's the truth of himself. Every man has truth about God. In creation, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Every man who has ever lived and just, as one lady put it, just go outside and open your eyes. It's clear. It's conclusive. It's evident. And all these scientists who are who are naturalists, and you should look into that. But all these scientists saying that you know, which it's just all an accident. It's just it's all natural. It's all material. There is no supernatural. There is no immaterial. They're liars. Every atheist is a liar. That's what the Bible says. And you know, the atheist doesn't believe in God. Well, God doesn't believe in the atheist. Okay, so I had the knowledge of God. I knew what I was doing deep in my heart of hearts, that I was running from God, that I was rejecting him. But again, my will, my heart, I wanted to live life my way according to my rules. And I think every Christian does this on a much smaller level than I was at the time because again, the heart's deceitful. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, when it comes to ministry, many guys will enter into Bible college thinking, okay, this is my idea for ministry, and so I'll pray so that my ministry idea, what it looks like in my head, that's what's going to turn out. Because it's that's the will of God. That's uh, His calling right? for yeah. me. That's His calling for me, and that's that's what's going to happen. When it's like, no, 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 you surrender to Jesus Christ, right? First and foremost, what He says you do, that's what you do. Okay, so to say that Lord, I I can only serve you in this ministry. You're not a surrendered servant of God. That's not that's not what a servant of God does. Paul called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. The the Greek word is doulos, which mm -hmm. means slave, servant. And so the servant, he doesn't get to order the master around. Right. He does what the master says. And for myself at that time, just I did not want to serve God. However, it got to a point where um, I was fired from my job. I was kicked out of college. Um, what college were you part of? Just for oh, the yeah. listeners. Oh, yeah. So um, when I was about 17 or 18, 
I enrolled in Indiana University, Purdue University. Oh, okay. So IPY. I was going there. Went there for about a year or two. And um, after about a year or so, like, I decided to quit because, like, honestly, I was just burnt out about everything. I just did not want to engage in it. And so I had a job wherein I could uh, provide for myself. So I moved out of my parents' house. And I lived on my own for about a year. Actually, it was for exactly a year because um, I had opportunity to renew my lease. And we'll, we'll get to that event um, shortly because um, God's hand of providence was very much involved at that time period. But that one year when I lived by myself was perhaps the darkest year of my entire life because I didn't have my family there to restrain me from my darker impulses. There was just me. And whatever I wanted to do, that's what I did. And I did that at all times. Um, I had a job. I was able to live on my own and provide for myself. But other than that, I was free. I had what I wanted. I had freedom. And I was miserable the whole time. Utterly miserable. I would lie to myself and say, hey, I'm not miserable. I'm not unhappy. I'm doing what I want. People lie to themselves. I lied to myself. And I lied to everyone around me. I was, I was doing drugs, I was drinking, I was engaging in immorality. It's, it was a very low point for me at the time. Mm. But, um, about the, the month that I had to um, choose to renew the lease on my apartment was the month I got fired from my job. Mm. So after I got fired, um, I moved back in with my parents. And it's a good thing I didn't renew my lease because that would have been a huge problem. And I think it was the providence of God um, guiding me, even though I didn't want him to, sure. to ensure that, for one thing, I didn't do that, and also that I'd be fired and I'd return home. And even then, I didn't repent after that because I was stubborn, right. really stubborn. But at, the, at, that, at that time, that event, I could not shake the feeling that the hand of the Lord was upon me. That's sure, I had messed up at work, but... These events were of the Lord, and he designed for this to happen. So now I'm back with my parents. Um, I haven't been, I hadn't been to college for then for a couple of years at least. And then I decided to go back to IPY, but this time for a political science degree because at the time I was very much into politics, and that's that was perhaps the greatest thing that I enjoyed was getting into politics and whatnot. And so that's what I wanted to do. So then I was, I was attending IPY for a semester, and after that, um, the job where I was at, I got into some trouble there with um, another um, employee there. And she um, was also a student at IPY. I won't go into too many details. Yeah, of course. But needless to say, um, there's some serious legal trouble that came about. Mm -hmm. And I was fired from my job and kicked out of the, um, out of the college. And... I sat in my room that night and I just thought to myself, is, is this all I have to show for myself? Mm -hmm. is, is this it? I, I did everything I could in my own power and I was just utterly barren. I had no fruit. I had works unto death and I just sat there and the Lord said, it's now or it's never. Mm -hmm. Either you repent now or things are going to get a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And on that night, I just said, okay, God, you win. As soon as I said those words, like a dam broke in my heart. As soon as I said those words, as soon as I submitted myself to God truly, 
for perhaps the first time in my entire life. It's just the grace of God just poured over me. Mm. And I just, I knew the Lord was there. I knew he was there. I knew his presence in my heart. It's, there was no condemnation sure. when he came. No condemnation at all. It was just nothing but forgiveness and joy and peace. And I knew that everything was going to be fine now because I'd come back to the Lord. I repented of my ways. I'd repented of my ways. I said, no, enough. Okay, I, I've proven to myself just how much of a mess I can make. Now it's time to, to, to do things the right way, to do things God's way. And that's what I did. I didn't find out about the legal trouble until after this event, perhaps a week or two later. Later, So the trial started happening um, very soon after I repented. Oh, wow. And um, I, I was put through the legal system. Huh. And it was not a very pleasant experience. I never went to jail, thankfully. The Lord uh, was very um, merciful to keep me from going to jail. But I went through the legal system. And thankfully, it ended in a very... Um, peaceful and orderly way. I just signed a diversion agreement and the case was dismissed. And now it's very much behind me and I, I have nothing to fear anymore from my past. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after, after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And being forgiven mm. after everything that I did struggled with guilt over all that I did sure. for, a, for a while afterwards. But the Bible says there's no condemnation, none at all. Hmm. And Paul wrote that. Yeah. Knowing who he is, I can just, sometimes I like to imagine like, you know, what, what the authors were doing as they were writing. And for Paul, he was, he was dictating this, but I can just, I can just see him saying it with tears in his eyes, just pure joy saying there is no condemnation now. It's all gone. The sins, all the evil, the wickedness of the past, it's all gone because of Jesus. Right. Because we're complete in him. There's nothing left for us to do except give our lives to him just out of joy, out of love, out of just pure adoration because he did all of it. He did all of it. And who, who are we now except just trophies of his grace to take part in his time, to give him glory? Now, I believe the Lord's called me to be an evangelist, and so I want to give myself to the church, to, to Christ's bride. He gave himself for me. I want to give myself to him. That's pretty much the summary of my testimony. Yes. I See, this is why I wanted to bring you on, is um, I know I personally am dealing with some others who are kind of going through the journey that you're going through, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out of their way back to God, but they just seem stuck. Mm -hmm. And for you to say for what God um, has been able to do to be patient with you is a tremendous story. And just a couple of questions to follow up on yep. your story. Um, what was it like to move back with your parents? Did they welcome you with open arms? What, what was the struggle with that in terms of how the parents slowly worked with you in terms mm -hmm. of realizing that you needed to come back to God? Um, Dad's, Policy, you could say, or the the decision he made would probably be different from a lot of people, at least. Sure. Um, when I came back, Dad, he was he was pretty gracious about it. He he really didn't have any qualms about it. Mm. And in fact, I I knew afterwards that he was glad that I came home to live with them because mm. then I'd be 
it'd be in their home and not somewhere else. Sure. And so there's there's be there would be a measure of protection. And the Lord he he sanctifies households, even if there's a extremely rebellious uh, member among them. Right. But Dad said that he wasn't he wasn't going to force me to go to church. That's a decision that I have to make for myself with my mm -hmm. own free will. Um, he did lay some ground rules. Yeah, I couldn't be drinking and doing drugs, which I was like, okay, yeah, sure, it's your house, so I'll abide by your rules. But it break his rules a couple times, <laughs> but it's all behind me now, right. which I'm very grateful for. Sure, but he, again, he said he trusted the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we can see how it's worked out. Yeah, we can see how the Holy Spirit's worked. He gave me the freedom. He didn't force it upon me, and I think that was. The wise choice because if he had forced me to come to church that would have pushed me away mm. again i'm not omniscient but sure. um he gave the holy spirit a free ministry to work mm. and i wanted to i wanted to elaborate on that because there are some parents out there who might have um some uh, a son or a daughter who mm. might be rebellious and i want to encourage you with this um based on what jonathan was talking about with his dad and with his mom uh, just with open arms and welcoming him home and, and just slowly working in his heart to help him to realize that he needed to come back to God. I just, let me encourage you with this is if you are struggling with that, with the, with the child or maybe uh, with somebody that you're working with, just slowly work into their life, slowly engage with them in terms of um, showing them what God's love looks like and, and showing them, that you care for them and that you love them, but also um, not really pushing them into uh, realizing that they need God just yet. Because like Jonathan was saying, if if he would have applied some really strict rules and him going to church and all that, it probably would have pushed him away. So slowly work into them and, and really engage with them on what they're going through and then show them the love and life of Jesus Christ. So Jonathan, yeah. Yeah, so... Among other things as well, perhaps the most important thing you can do is to make sure that you are earnestly, fervently praying mm. for that individual or individuals. Um, I, After I had repented and returned to the Lord, I heard about so many people who had been praying for me. You had been praying for me, Dre. My brother had been praying for me. And um, at the college, you know, he mentioned multiple times to other people to, to continue to pray for me. Um, here, God. Uh, Brother Dice, he said that the the recharge class had been praying for me, and I, I had no idea about any of this. And um, it's interesting, my uh, violin teacher, um, she also teaches the English class there at um, IBC, and she remembers that when David was in her class, she would ask for prayer requests and stuff, and he'd bring up me all the time. Sure. And it's just prayer affects things. Right. Prayer changes things. Prayer is the prayer is the lifeblood of the soul, and don't ever, don't ever doubt the power of prayer. Because it's in prayer that you move mountains. It's in prayer that you destroy strongholds. It's in prayer that you overturn the kingdom of darkness. It's in prayer that you kill the sins in your life. It's in prayer that you obtain that fullness of joy that you desire, that you earnestly crave. It's in prayer that you commune with God and you pour out your sorrows, all your anxiety, all your fears, everything. It's in prayer that you... You find so much purpose and fulfillment in life because you're getting alone with God and you're finding that grace, the help in time of need. You're finding you're there at the feet of almighty, everlasting God. And he is your father mm -hmm. and he wants to just pour out abund abundant blessing upon you. And he says, do it. Prove me. 
is in Malachi, proving now here with it. See, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, the love of God as our Father cannot be comprehended. And it is, I think if we, when we reach the end of our life and look back, all of us to some level or another will look back and say, I wish I prayed more. I wish I had given myself over to more prayer. Because prayer, it's, it's, I believe, perhaps the most powerful weapon that the Christians have. The devil fears more than anything a man of prayer. In my estimate, there's plenty of men of God. They've been men of the word, men of scriptures. But if he's not a man of prayer, if he's not a man of prayer, rather, he's lacking. Mm. So uh, God's people, we need to take back that weapon of prayer and truly utilize it again. And if it can change my heart, this stubborn heart of mine, I might quite possibly be the most stubborn man to ever walk the face of the earth. And also the most arrogant as well. <laughs> but if it can change my heart, anybody's heart can be changed. Sure. And uh, exactly what he said in terms of how prayer changes things. I remember uh, four years ago, um, like I said, when I first met him, like a cool dude, and then not seeing him for a little while, because I, I actually... I was not bold enough to ask uh, Mr. Bruce, uh, his dad, of how things were going. I was kind of scared of uh, hearing the results of what was going on. So I didn't really ask. All I did was I admitted to God that I needed to pray for him um, to uh, turn his heart back to him. So uh, and I, I realized that I never realized that my prayers, the, the prayers of others um, was already in effect of what God was already doing. He was hearing those prayers and he was already doing a work in his life. He was patient with him. He was hearing the prayers. And then it came to a point in time where he said, okay, now it's time to answer your prayer. And now let's work in his life now. And I remember the first Sunday that I saw him back in church. Yeah, he was wearing a suit and tie and all that. I'm like, what in the <laughs> world? I remember you like, um, like I said, imagine what a cool dude would be in terms of like a jacket and then like a ring, of like a skull ring or something like that. I still remember yeah. that to this day. <laughs> um, no offense to you, but I just remember those little details. And then when you came on that Sunday with the suit and tie and you were sharing with me of your testimony and how God has changed your heart and how you want to grow for God, I, I was – I was literally going back home and I was in tears just thanking God for how he uh, was able to be patient with him and changed his life. And it made me realize that I, if prayer changes people's lives, it should never um, affect in terms of what uh, people are going through, in terms of where they're at in their status, in terms of where their sin is, in terms of uh, them rebelling against God. You should never give up on them. Right. You should never quit. Uh, you should always pray for them. You should always see what they're doing. Uh, well, once in a while, and then um, really ask God to do something in their lives. And also just remember that you just need to be patient for the results because it takes time for, for them to realize that they need to turn back to God. And so I really do appreciate his testimony and his heart for God. And now it is time to talk about the importance of revival. And for you, Jonathan, who is studying to be an evangelist, I can see the excitement in your in your face here. You are super excited about to talk about revival. So let me ask you a couple of questions because I know you got some outlines to talk about the importance of revival. 
what does it mean for you as you become an evangelist? Uh, that's what he believes that God has called him to. Why is it for you as an evangelist important for you to um, see churches have revival and to see America have revival? And also what it means for you to have revival personally? Yes, revival. It's The word is used so much in our circles. And I fear that because perhaps because we've used it so much that we've kind of forgotten or at least gotten used to what it's supposed to mean. Mm. But the, the foremost expert in my mind on revival outside of the Holy Scriptures is Leonard Ravenhill. He said revival is God's coming to the aid of his sick church. And any true revival can be proven by the fact that it changed the moral climate of an area or a nation. Mm. The first great awakening in America, it changed America. Mm. It radically changed America. And that's what real revival does. This is what it does. It changes things. And it begins with God's people. And it affects um, the, the unregenerate lost around them. So, again, what is revival, though, for me specifically? To put it in biblical terms. I would say that for the Christian, um, revival is summed up in Romans chapter 14, where it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Revival is normal Christian living. Mm. Revival is the birthright of every single Christian um, upon the face of the earth. It's required, I would say, of all Christians to live in a state of revival. But... This idea of revival, we need to we need to we need to see what the scriptures say specifically about revival. And so, if you have your Bibles, we can go to Ezra chapter nine. Ezra chapter nine. I feel, um, no, I see rather perhaps the first instance or, or first example in the Old Testament of true revival. So, for the context, um, the people they had um, returned to the land. And Ezra, he's communing with the princes, and he hears um, of the Levites. They'd married foreign wives, and they had um, sullied the uh, the holy line. They weren't supposed to be taking foreign wives, but the Levites had done it. Um, we'll begin verse number one. And when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. They have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And notice Ezra's response to this. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. There are two aspects about revival that I that I see in scripture that I think we need to understand in order to really capture, understand, and apprehend what biblical revival is. Concerning man, we see here utter heaviness over sin, how I would phrase it. Utter heaviness over sin. The people, specifically Ezra and his his friends there, they're utterly broken over the sins of someone else. And he's going to start um, giving his prayer here in the following verses. So we'll start in verse number five. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness and having rent my garment and my mantle, 
I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. He noticed there, he didn't say they, mm. he said our. It's very easy. It would have been very easy for him. He'd been doing things the right way. He'd been um, getting people to rebuild the temple and get, making sure that everything was back in order. And he could have, he, as far as we're aware in this book, Ezra was very upright. He had a very good standing before the Lord. But at this moment, he could have said, Lord, those wicked heathen over there, maybe you should smite them. Or at the very least, said, Lord, those wicked heathen over there, they need to get right. You know, those, those guys over there, they need to get right. But me, I'm fine. Oh. No, no, no. He said he himself mourned over what they were doing because we're the people of God, not I am the people of God, you're the people of God. It's, it's a collective thing. Oh. He said it's our sins. We, we're, all, we're all in this together. And so he's not going to just separate himself from his brethren. And so the sins that I see um, overtake someone else in the church, Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, you which are spiritual, if you see a man overtaken in fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so it's, it isn't right if we see someone overtaken in their faults, mm. overtaken by sin, to just stand by, to just continue walking by the way. We know the parable of the Good Samaritan, how the priest, the Levite, they saw the, the man, they looked at him, and they just continued on their way. That's not right. Right. And... Here, Ezra, and he does not cast condemnation to, to just simply oppress them, to just entertain his pride. He says, it's our, it's our shame. Verse number seven. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, have delivered into the hands of the kings of the land, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face. As it is this day. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. That's, I uh, looked up where the word revival or reviving occurs in the scripture. And I came to this instance and I see this is the, I, in my estimation, from our, our side of revival, from a man's side of revival, this is what it should look like. Mm. God, he gives grace so that we can repent. God gives grace so that we can humble ourselves before him, so that he can show mercy upon us, so that he can shed that abundant grace upon us that he wants to, to give to us. Because he's our heavenly father. He does not get angry with his children. We've not been appointed unto wrath but unto grace. And so when we sin, when we do wrong, we get his frown, but we don't get his wrath. Mm. We get his disappointment, but not his anger. So when he's disappointed with us, he can't he can't manifest his love in the in ways such as giving us abundant joy. He has to take away our joy because we're in the wrong, because we've decided to go astray, because we're not walking the path. Ezra here, he's saying that the Lord he gives us a space that we can be revived, so that we can repent of our sins, so that we can just humble ourselves before him. And I fear that so many Christians, they just they don't know what it means to just truly repent. To truly get alone with God, to to just shut out all your friends, all your family, your pastor, all the church people, and just get alone with God. And say, God, what what's the problem? Mm. Show me today. I need to, I need to be clean today, not just cleaner, 
I need to be clean today mm. so then I can I can manifest the fruit of the Spirit, so then I can have a real relationship with you, so that I can grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, so that I can, I can be the son that you want me to be. Mm. Because Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. So he's citing Romans chapters 1 through 11, all of that. No condemnation, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God, all of that. Because of all that, we ought to be right with God. We ought to be just humble before him. And the sins of other people, first we need to examine ourselves to see, are, are we okay? Are we in correct standing? Is our vertical relationship right? And after that, let's examine our horizontal relationships with men. And looking at others, you know, do, do we know that they're involved in something that they shouldn't be involved in? Mm. And if they are, we got to say something. In a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of love, and says, say, hey, man, the music you're listening to, they, 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 they cuss. They take the name of the Lord in vain. They, have, they talk about immorality. Those movies you're watching, they, they have immorality in them. Why are, you, why are you watching that? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so, in a certain sense, he watches everything we watch, too. He listens to everything we listen to as well. And so I just I read the scriptures and I think to myself, shouldn't I be more careful about, about this sort of thing? Hmm. Because my Jesus, he died for me. Hmm. So I I got I gotta I gotta live for him. You know, I gotta do everything I can to please him because he he really died for me. And he really bore the wrath for me. In that moment, his father, whom he loved, abandoned him he said my god my god why hast thou why hast thou forsaken me he did it for me and so what so i is there is there a reason is there any good reason at all that i can't just get alone with god and say god show me my faults show me the problem so that i can i can be in that right relationship with you again so that i can be bold for you again so that i can live this, this life of revival because every day i need him mm. one of my favorite hymns is um Abide with me. Mm -hmm. And in that, I think it's the third verse. It says, I need thee every passing hour. Every hour, we need God's presence. And because we're his children, mm -hmm. he said that you can come into the Holy of Holies anytime, at all times, because you belong there. Mm -hmm. You're a member of God's household. And so what the Bible um, means when it says we can boldly come before the throne of grace, um, I've heard the example of since we're part of the household of God, I have a key. I can just I can just go in. It's perfectly natural for me to enter into my own home and talk to my father. It's perfectly natural for us to go before holy, almighty God, the thrice holy God, with the cherubim singing his praises, the seraphim singing his praises, all that glory, all that splendor, all that majesty. It's natural for us as his sons, as his children, whom he's chosen, he loves. Just go on and speak to him in full reverence and full adoration. But he's our father, and he's elevated us so much. And this is the first aspect of revival that we have to get right first, mm. is that we come before God, and we get utterly broken before him. Because when we're broken before him, he'll take that the broken clay, he'll put that on the potter's wheel, and then he'll start forming you. Mm. He'll start changing you in thorough ways, in radical ways. And it won't always be pleasant. I can right. I can attest to that. Sometimes it's just, Lord, this hurts a lot. <laughs> okay. And I, I, but he knows. 
He knows for one thing our pain, but he also knows how much we can take, right? And in all the trials and all the temptations, God is always there to, if it's an evil temptation, he always provides a way of escape every single time, mm -hmm. without fail, right? And when it's the type of trials that are intended to grow our character, he's given us the scriptures, he's given us his Holy Spirit, he gives us grace to get through it. And so when we think we can't bear it, he's, he's in heaven, he's saying, you're fine, you can get through it, I'm with you the entire time. This is intended to mold you and to purge you. Um, Christ is the true vine, we're the branches, and he's trimming the branches that we can bear more fruit, more abundant fruit. After this brokenness before God, um, Isaiah 57, I like this verse specifically. Concerning God, um, utter holiness before him. For thus saith the high and lofty one, this is Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. The Lord, he's promised to revive his people. Um, continuing on, actually, I will not contend forever. Neither will I always be wroth for the spirit should fail before me in the souls which I have made. Through the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me more his wrath, and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, and will heal him. I will lead him also, and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Revival, it's life again. It's healing, it's restoration. And the Lord, it's called the high and the lofty one. He's called the most high God. Hmm so high and so lofty beyond our comprehension, and yet it says he's near unto them that be of a contrite and humble spirit. To the lowly, to the most low people, God, who is the highest, he's near to them. Mm. But to them who are who say that, I don't need to be broken before God, they they won't they won't find God very near. Mm. Because God, he doesn't, he will not, he refuses to dwell with the proud. Mm. And I think that so many times in our lives, because because of our own pride, because of our own deceitfulness, the Lord, it's not that like, he can't do things in our lives. It's just that he won't do it. Mm. He will not do it because we got to humble ourselves first before God, before we can expect anything from him. Mm. And once we're in that state of, of brokenness, of sorrow over our sin, then that's when he pours out revival. I'll give an example. When we sin... I think that's the time when we can, when we best experience the grace of God. Mm. And I don't mean some sort of like idle sin that we commit during the day. I, what I mean is, it's the sort of sin where we 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 did it on purpose. We knew planning it, it was wrong. We knew going in that it was wrong. We knew during that it was wrong. The Holy Spirit told us so, and afterwards we knew it was wrong still, and it got to a point where. Now, your life is different because of what you did. Mm. Your life is different now. You can't take back the consequences of your decision. And in that moment right there, when it's, it's you messed up big time, and you're almost afraid to come before God, which is kind of a, a, a paradoxical statement. God is in all places. So you come before God, and it's just, 
you sort of expect that he'd be angry, he'd be furious. To our minds, that seems just, it seems right. Mm. But to God, it's not just, it's not right. Mm. Because those sins that we committed, he paid for them already with his son. And so that's why God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's because Jesus paid for the sins already. So God, he can forgive each and every one easily. Easily he can forgive it. And we just come before him and say, Lord, I, I did wrong. I was the one who, who messed up. I sinned against you. That's what I did. And the, the Greek for repent, um, it's, I think it literally means to, to say again. Hmm. And so it's what God says about sin, I, I say that too. Hmm. Coming into agreement with God about what sin is. When you do that, um, we experience grace in times of joy, but in times of sorrow, brokenness over sin, when we experience grace, when we experience that forgiveness, it is something. It is something else that God, he just he forgives you. He forgives you. Almighty God who hates sin, he forgives you. And he restores you into fellowship so easily, so easily, because he, he wants it. Mm. He wants you to walk with him. And that's, that's what revival is. Mm. It's walking with God. And we, we, have to, we have to get broken over our sins. We have to shut out all the worldly influences in our lives. Too many Christians, they, they know a lot more about sports and video games and TV shows than they do about the doctrines of the faith. And I've seen it. Christians, they just, when we speak about the things of God, you know, their, their face is just, yeah, okay, that's pretty nice. And if you speak about, you know, some, some video game or some card game, their face just lights up. It's just, oh, you have my attention now. It's, it shouldn't be that way. Right. The things of this world, they'll, they'll all burn. They'll all perish away. And so I just, some people might think that I'm radical or I'm unreasonable about some of the positions that I hold. But I just think, Peter said, um, seeing as all these things shall pass away, what manner of persons ought ye to be? And all manner of conversation and godliness. He said, if it's going to burn up anyway, shouldn't that put you into perspective about what you should be spending your time doing? And Pastor, I remember one sermon, he brought up the judgment seat of Christ and we must give an account. And I just thought, man, I got to tell Jesus why I did everything. Hmm. And spending hours a day watching TV or playing video games, I just thought, I, I, can't, I can't tell my Lord. I can't give him a good answer. He'll, he'll see through it. He'll immediately see through it. I, I just I just can't do it. And so just for me personally, I just come to the decision. It's just like, no, I got to I got to give more for Jesus. Hmm. So and this is why, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him on was, you know, if you are listening and you heard his testimony of what he went through to what he is now, you would not believe me of what he went through. I mean, based on what he was teaching now in terms of revival, this is where his heart is with with revival, excuse me, and where his heart is with uh, with Christians and realizing how important revival is. And, and so um Reasons why I want to bring people like him into this is because not, not only do I want to show you guys of the importance of revival, but also to realize that, you know, and it, God can change anybody's heart. And sometimes I, I, real, I realize that 
us Christians, when we look at somebody based on what we see or judge, we look at them and go, well, there's no way that God can serve them or there's no way they can get revival. It is so wrong. And you can see it through scripture time after time after time of where Jesus was setting examples of even like the Samaritan woman where she had five husbands. And Jesus slowly um, engaged with her in terms of the gospel and, and, and slowly engaged with her Bible. Because what did the Samaritan woman do? What did she do? She sent people to the city to say, hey, come see this man. Come see the man that told me everything that I was. Mm -hmm. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus was sending revival into that. Mm -hmm. and, and I fear that we have this mindset of this judgment upon people on based on what they do or what they look like. And we go, there's no way God can save them. You know why? It's because we're not doing our part as Christians to reach out to them. We're not doing our part to pray. We're not realizing why we need revival for us so that we can change other people's hearts and let God show them why uh, revival is so important and why they need to see um, the love of Jesus Christ. And so I really want to thank you for uh, being a part of this podcast. Now, we're going to go to the fun time because I want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, it, it has been uh, about a year and a half now where I have really engaged with you in terms of conversations. And by the way, if you are locally here at Indianapolis, Indiana, and you want to get to know Jonathan Kleeman, just come to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, and I will introduce you to this guy he is an amazing and extraordinary guy to talk to in terms of encouragement. And um, I considered him um, a really a great and awesome friend to, uh, to talk to in terms of what I've been struggling with and what he's been helping me to. So without further ado, I'm going to ask you uh, just a few questions just to uh, kind of wrap up. Um, what are your hobbies that you like to do? Um, and I know that you before you realized um, that you need to replace God, that you had some hobbies. But what I mean hobbies as in what do you like to do now um, in terms of um, really engaging with yourself of what, yeah. what you like to do? Um, not not just read the Bible and all yeah. of that, but uh, let's get to know you a little bit. What, what What's your favorite hobbies that you like to do? Okay, well, um, perhaps my favorite hobby, although I don't know if I would quite classify it as a hobby. I think it's greater <laughs> than that, but... Um, playing my violin is among the most engaging things that I do. Yes. And I, I spent hours a week um, practicing it, and it's it's very beneficial as well as, uh, you could say, therapeutic. Sure. But it's I enjoy playing the violin. It's quite it's quite difficult as well, but it's very rewarding. Um, it, there have been times when it's I consider it just a gift from God that he allowed me to even pick it up in the first place. When I when I play it, it's and IBC, my teacher Miss York, she really helped me develop my philosophy about it. But it's it's about it's about giving to others, mm. you know. And so I when I play it, it's I'm able to express a part of my soul that I can't any other way. Sure. And with a medium that's very unique, you know, with music with my instrument. And so, in a sense, whenever I um, perform in front of people, I moment where I can connect with them and they can connect with me and see through music what's in my heart, what's on my soul, 
what am I trying to tell them through the music that I'm playing? Now, this listen, I can't do this too um, too well sure. in, uh, when I'm playing here at church because there's very it's very specific you know, playing a hymn, and that's what people think about when they play the hymn. If I'm playing something like classical music, whatnot, when it's just it's just the music itself, you no know, words that go with it. Um, I I have I have emotions and I have ideas and feelings upon my heart that I wish to impart to my audience. And so violin is just an instrument. It, it's so radical. It's so it's mm. become a part of who I am. Some other hobbies, I do enjoy reading quite a bit, which is good because I think I'll be reading for like the rest of my life. This is why he, he talks like he's smart. I mean, he, he talks. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, that, go on. Go on. I was just, I'm yeah. kidding. Well, though, to be fair, nowadays, I really don't have any free time. Uh, <laughs> I remember one time I was at work and, um, and a girl there, she asked me, so what do you do in your free time? I just laughed. <laughs> I was like, free time? Free time? Me? Free time? I sleep in my free time. Okay? That's all the free time I get it's just for sleep. Sure. But um, yeah, I just yeah, – reading, it's, it's very useful for me because I can engage my mind. I love things that engage my mind. Um, at the college here recently, we've been playing a lot of chess, and so that's among my favorite games to play. So, if anyone's down for a game, I'll be happy to play you. I mean, I'm not into chess, but um, I will definitely play just to just to see how good you are. <laughs> well, okay, just to, yeah, okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, jeez, but yeah. Um, so uh, to wrap this up, uh, I want to thank you, Jonathan, for taking up your time and to share with your heart of your testimony and the importance of revival. It's a pleasure to be on today, and I, I'm hopeful for the opportunities in the future. Sure. And so uh, one more question to uh, kind of sum this up is, is there anything uh, that you want us to, uh, if there's anything for us to take away from what we have just said, uh, what would it be in just a few words? Get a vital walk with God. Mm. Know how to talk to him and listen to what he has to say. Then obey it. Mm. And so I want you to consider of what he has said. I want you to read your Bible, especially go to Ezra and Isaiah. Mm -hmm. All those scripture verses that he went into in terms of, of the revival and in terms of his testimony. I mean, read those scripture verses and really engage with that. And I promise you it will really change your heart. I know for a fact once we are done recording this, I will go to those scripture verses and I will study that and ponder that in my heart. Because some of the things that I'm struggling with, like for instance, um, I want to point out to my listeners, um, I made a very bold statement in terms of not being a fundamentalist. I want to say, first off, um, that was kind of outrageously um, not cool for me to say um, because I did not realize how much an effect it had on other people to say that. So I want to clarify with what I was saying in terms of that. I wanted to say that um, I am still who I am in terms of being independent Baptist and in terms of uh, the fundamentals of the faith. But I, I want to I want to say that, um, and Jonathan can concur that there are some things that in the churches that 
we need to see and we we need to grow and to change that. And just with talking with Jonathan, um, he was encouraging me not to give up on on that term. And he encouraged me to realize that, yes, we do have some problems that we need to change, but also that um, it, it's good for us to point it out and to talk together and to say, hey, we're this because this is what the Bible says and this is what we believe in. And so I'm um, I'm thankful for a friend like Jonathan who has pointed me out into uh, these terms. And so uh, for you guys who are listening, who are kind of concerned with where I'm at, I'm just only struggling with this, but I am still clinging on to that. Jonathan, you have something to say? Just a simple verse. Um, Paul said, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So in any situation in life, in this one and in every other instance, if there's sin, there is always more grace to overcome that. God is always greater than any reputation, than any sin, than anything. God is always greater. His grace is more abundant than any sin and any ill circumstance. Sure. Sure. And so uh, with that being said, we're going to wrap it up. Just a few things to let you know um, about what's going on on the podcast. Uh, first things first, um, Jonathan and I, this is actually a, a live uh, podcast um, where this is not uh, video recorded. Um well, excuse me, like a Zoom call or something like that. This is actually like live face-to-face. So this is actually uh, really awesome. And I want to do more of these conversations with other people because I can actually uh, not just see him um, and, instead of just a blur from the Wi-Fi, <laughs> but really engage with them um, in terms of what they have to say. And I just feel that there's more of a connection with the live. So I want to have more of those conversations with uh, with live guest speakers. I'm going to have my dad on for a session to talk about his experience on bivocational um, pastoring. Um, I feel like that it's not emphasized enough. And so I want to uh, have him on to share his heart of what our family has been through, um, to share his testimony and to share with you of why he feels like that his heart is towards um, uh, bivocational pastoring. And so without further ado, I'm going to wrap it up with a word of prayer, and then we are going to end this. Father God, thank you, Lord, for uh, this conversation, Lord, for uh, this interview. Thank you, Lord, for Jonathan's heart for you. Thank you, Lord, for his testimony, Lord, how you were very patient, Lord God, how you heard the prayers of those, Lord um, God, how you were just uh, hearing the prayers and patiently doing your work to show him um, his need for you, and not just his need for you, but to turn back to you and to uh, shape him into uh, being the man that you've called him to be now. Thank you, God, for um, his heart on revival, and Lord, how that we need to grow on this, Lord. Um, I, I especially need to grow on um, being revived. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would take these conversations, Lord, that you would bless it. And for those who are listening, God, that you would continue to bless them. And, Lord, that we continue to have um, conversations that um, only honor and glorify you and engage um, with the things that we need to talk about. Thank you, Lord, for how you're working. Pray, Lord, that you would bless Jonathan and um, his college, and Lord, that you would help him to study uh, being an evangelist, and that you would shape his heart into the ministry that you've called him to. And then, uh, Lord, for myself, as I continue to interview with other pastors and different ministry leaders, and as God continues to uh, 
be a church planner as I have a heart for the city of Detroit. God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in my life and as I engage with other pastors and ministry leaders. God, that you would help me to learn some things that I need to grow on. Thank you, Lord, for everything what you're going to do. Pray the Lord to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I hope you have a good week, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is made possible by Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to make a podcast. Are you interested in making a podcast of your own? Try out Anchor Podcast. Best part, it is free. Now, I want to talk to you about the ways that you can access Anchor. Anchor is not just easy to use. It is also one of the most simple ways to make a podcast. Start making money by using the money distribution to help you in not just funds, but also in supported sponsorships on your episodes. It also allows you to uh, create new episodes and unlimited times of recording. The limited times are 30 minutes, but if you use another device that allows you to record yourself, you can download that file onto Anchor Podcast, regardless of how long you go. Maybe you go an hour, maybe you go 10 hours, who knows? But it is the easiest way to make a podcast, and if you are interested and wanting to try this out, please try it out. Also note, it is a name brand change. It is now anchored by Spotify. So look that up online and get started right now. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged by the conversations that we've had on this podcast. If you would like to reach out to me, once again, look me up at City Boy for Life. Remember to put the dots on City and Boy. So look me up on Facebook at Trey Rowell. I'm available on Messenger if you would like to message me. Also, I am available through Gmail if you want to do it that way at indyt2000 at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to the next episode.